Offspring. I'm Monica Flory. Here we talk about how to make art with kids around and mine the habits of creative people to figure out how to make parenting easier and more fun. Nikki Brake-Sila is a playwright and filmmaker. She is the founder of Draw, Dramatists at War, and an inaugural member of Jowska Playworks. Nikki's full-length plays include Trouble of the World, Dear Anne, In Defense of Ourselves, and GTFOH. Her full-length narrative, A Weathering, was a semi-finalist with Middlebury Script Lab and second round selection for Sundance Narrative Lab. She has received funding from Rec Philly, Black Music City, the Puffin Foundation, the Lark, the Princess Grace Foundation, the Leeway Foundation, and the Regional Center for Women Artists. Nikki received her BA from the University of Pennsylvania and her MFA from the City College of New York. She is a proud member of the Dramatist Guild and Directors Gathering. Our conversation starts in a moment. Nikki Vraksila, welcome to Art Meet Offspring. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> First off, we would love to hear about the kind of art that you make. The kind of art that I make, I am, I call myself a jackress of all trades. <laughs> I'm a filmmaker by training and I write plays and screenwrite and TV pilots. So I'm a filmmaker by training and I am also a playwright as of 2018 and a screenwriter since like grad school for film. So that's my, that's my niche. And I direct. I'm a director. Basically, I'm a control freak. I like to do all the things. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> and tell us whatever you would like us to know about your family. I love my kids and my husband. My family. We are four. <laughs> there are four of us. My husband, Ansamani. He's West African Muslim from Guinea-Bissau professional dancer. He's an amazing African dancer. People used to take his class, then the Rona hit, and now like, you know, we're like, eventually, and by eventually, I mean when it gets warm enough, we'll be back out. And then I have two girls. Jenaba is my oldest. She's my eight-year-old Aries. <laughs> horns. She's super, super sweet. And I mean horns as in like, you say, let's not do this. And she's like, oh, but I'm going to do it anyway because I really want to do it. And then, like, <laughs> I'll just take the ramifications at the end of it. We call her the fixer. And then my youngest is Safia. She's four-year-old toddler, four and a half. We call her CEO. Jennifer <laughs> will be a preschool teacher. <laughs> Safi will be the reason why Ansman and I don't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a solid plan. Yeah. Solid yeah. plan. <laughs> So how has becoming a parent impacted your artistic work? So it's totally different for each kid. 
So with Jenaba, I like had this increased drive and I wrote every, like every night she would go to bed at 5.30 on Sunday and I would spend quality time together. And then at seven o'clock I would write. And so I penned a couple of poems and a full screenplay and half of another screenplay with Jenaba. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at this parenting. What? <laughs> this is like, what is everyone complaining about? Like, this is easy. Sure. <laughs> And then with Safi, I got super, super sick my first month postpartum after her. So then I spent like two years like actively dying and then like stopped actively dying. And so that was really hard. I had to stop everything. And so it just like really pushed my perspective about like how I was overperforming before with Jenaba and like lauding myself like, oh my gosh, you're doing all the things. Like it was a good thing instead of just listening to my body and be like, oh my God, you're doing all the things. <laughs> so with Safi, I have a different perspective and now it's a lot easier for me to say no to like a lot of things because I'm just like, mm. I, I just like, I'm tired. <laughs> it's like, I'm tired. So there I'm a lot more selective with the projects that I choose or what I write. And then I also, like, I just can't work the same way. So I have to be really, like, really focused on what I'm able to do and my carve out protected time. And yeah, so I feel like it's easier now because a lot of the choice has been taken away from me. Like, if I get tired, I have to take a nap. Whereas before I would just like push through it or I would apply for all the things, even the stuff that I knew I didn't have an ice cube's chance and hell, I'm just like, Oh, it's just, it's a practice. Like, you know, just get used to like hearing the no, like all you need is one. Yes. And now I'm just like, Oh, you, you want money? No, I'm not going to apply to you. I'm going to apply to something that's free and like that doesn't require a lot of effort for the application. I know my name. <laughs> I know my website address <laughs> and I have my bio, like anything out of that. I mean, you know, some of these applications want like a dissertation and I'm like, nah, nah. And so, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, no, I'd much rather watch my girls play bubbles and then get in where I fit in later. I know a lot of us as parents and artists are always sort of seeking that balance between family time and work time. And in some ways they overlap. Do you feel, do you feel like you find that balance at times? Do you feel like you are, you are in that balance or seeking that balance lots of the time? <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly seeking the balance more often than not. I'm failing at the balance. I really like to work. I do. And when I say I really like to work, I really like to work outside of the house. I'm a better mother because I can leave. And I had fallen into a pattern of coming home from work and then the kids would come in and I would just come right into my office and be like, oh, you know, let me just finish up a couple of things. And then before you know it, it's 530 and it's dinner time and, you know, they go to bed at seven and then I would go back into the office and then I would work on the weekends for like a couple hours. I'm like, oh, let me just 
let me just, let me just. And I realized that I'd gotten into a pattern with the pandemic where I no longer have protected time or alone time. So the only way I could get alone time was in my office with the door closed. Hmm. And, you know, until someone picks a lock and walks in. And so I was trying to compensate for not being able to like go to shows or have writing groups outside of the home and was trying to get snippets of my alone time during my time where I'm absolutely not alone. So my rule now is when I'm home and the girls are up, I am not in my office working. I have to make sure that I'm like out and every time because, you know, they're kind of loud Sometimes they're bickering. It's like, oh, I could just come into my office. It's so pretty in here and close the door. And then they just like stand outside like little kittens, like me, me, me. And now I'm just like, no, like they want my attention, which is why they're all up under me. So I'm going to give them my attention <laughs> until they fall asleep. It's not their fault that they're that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And then I have to like let them know that it's not mommy's fault that they're in the middle of a pandemic so everyone's learning and yeah that's my no work while the kids are up and no work on the weekends Mm. do you feel that your daughters have a pretty good sense of what you do as a job or your many jobs really (laughs) they're really excited so Jennifer who's my oldest she'll like a girlfriend of mine sent me a text and was like, oh my gosh, Jennifer was in the car telling Rowan that my mommy's a director. <laughs> my mommy's a scientist. And da, 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 da. So she definitely gets it and understands um, that I do wear a lot of hats. But then on the flip side of it, she'll also be like, mommy, why do you work so much? Kind of deal. Which before I would apologize And now I don't apologize. I was like, yes, I do work a lot. I do. I don't work when you're up, but I do work a lot. And I like working and there's no shame in the fact that I'm a working mother. So, because I do feel like that we have to deal with so much guilt. The time that we're not spent like actively parenting, the time that we're outside of the home and like the mommy guilt, like what we're, and we, have these long lists of what we're not doing for our kids instead of having this huge tally of like all the things that we do do. And I'm just like, I'm not going to live my life with apologies because I'm raising girls to be strong women and to be able to like hold their place in society and not apologize for liking to work or for being ambitious or for being industrious. Like, any of the traits that we would see in a man. And we'd be like, oh, yay, good for you. But is not lauded in women. So that's my goal. Nikki, could you talk for a moment about how your work as a scientist interacts with your work in the theater? If it does, if the two do play off each other, could you talk about how? Yes, I love that question. There actually is a lot of overlaps, shockingly, because with the experiments and the stuff that I design, it's all about like figuring out a problem and like how to get the answer to a problem. And especially like when I'm directing a piece, if there's 
like a problem that arises, I have to be able to quickly figure out how to get us back on track, how to like hold the room and like make sure that it's safe space for everyone involved and also how to have a good time. And I'm constantly like going through ways how to make the experience the most efficient because I do pack a lot in my day. So I can't waste a lot of time on things. And I feel like that the steps and like how you can cut out extraneous stuff that I deal with on my science side also is really helpful on my creative side. Cause they'll just be like, Oh, well we don't need to spend this much time on this. Like I already know what I want. So let's just work through it and then go on. And I think I really also apply it for writing I'll write a lot of stuff in my head. I'll be thinking about it and turning it over and thinking about the different ways that like, oh, if we have this hypothesis, it can go this way or this, it can go this way or this, it can go this way. And I have all these different trajectories so that by the time I do put quote unquote pen to paper, I've already mapped out my experiment, which is my play. And so then it's a lot easier for me to go down and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to write X amount of pages because I've already thought about the different parameters and the different trajectories that they could have taken. So how has being an artist shaped you as a parent or shaped your parenting? I think a lot about what I was exposed to as a child. Like I grew up as a theater baby and like playing an instrument and singing and dancing and musical theater And I want to make sure that my girls are exposed to that too, which they can't not be because both of their parents are artists. And it's really, I feel like that when they see different avenues at an early age, it gives them more capacity to use both sides of their brains. So right and left hemisphere. Like, so you go up, grow up in this creative environment, but then we also apply like, problem solving skills and so you have like both at the same time instead of trying to catch up when you're older so yeah I definitely feel that I'm a lot more creative um in my parenting and I'll be like oh like the worst like the kiss of death in the house is oh my gosh I'm bored (laughs) oh really you're bored. Well, guess what? You can you can make a play with your puppets that you made. And they're like, ah, you're right. I can't do a play. And so then they're off. So I'd love to hear more about growing up a theater baby. Like, what, what was that experience like for you? What would you like us to know? <laughs> oh, man. I did community theater in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. My mom also did community theater. She was also musical theater baby um one of my first babysitters was like a con like a classically trained pianist graduated from oberlin so it's like music i grew up in the church like so singing was always like we were music was always in the house we were always dancing and laughing like we were always telling stories at the dinner table so it was like, you know, fam- so that's all stuff that shaped who I am. And so, yeah, although I do have to say that like musical 
theater people are a very particular type of person. We can be very annoying. <laughs> Everything's so big at the time. It's like, let me break out in song. Like, everything is not Lagan. Everything is not a big ol' like to do. Sometimes I think it should be, but there is a time and place. And I didn't realize the time and place until I was in college where I went from musical theater to acapella, which is also a very particular type of person. <laughs> <laughs> so, meh. Jenaba, definitely a musical theater baby. Oh. Oh, and it makes me so happy and also like, ugh. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. Really? <laughs> so much drama. There's so much drama. Oh. <laughs> so much drama. So, yes. I am raising myself. And I call my mother often. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was like that. Wow. Okay. And how does she respond? How does she respond to that she, apology? She, when we were growing up, she would always tell me, I want to live long enough. There were two quotes. I want to live long enough to be a hindrance to my children. And you are going to raise yourself times two. So that was, she was like, that's my blessing for you is that you're going to get to raise yourself times two. <laughs> like the, the child that you raise will be double of what you are right now. And I was like, oh, that's, that's fine. I could totally raise myself. And now I'm like, oh my God. Oh, that's a lot. But it's funny because my mom always is like, oh, why are you giving Jennifer such a hard time? She's such a sweet baby. Da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, grandma. I'm like, it's totally different. And she is a sweet kid. <laughs> but from the moment she wakes up in the morning yeah. until the moment she closes her eyes, it is. And what about this, mommy? And what about this? And what do you think about this? And oh, what song is this? And oh, what the sky's blue today? Oh, what's what's going to be the weather, Alexa? Oh, well, maybe I should put. And it's just nonstop. <laughs> or some days I just need silence. Sure. Silence. But because of the way that we parent, I never tell her that I need silence. I'm like, okay, what, what story do you want to tell me today? It's going to take 45 <laughs> hours. <laughs> 45 hours of my time. Yes, please tell me what happened. Please. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, whoo. That's awesome. <laughs> Your mother's prophecy come yes, true. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> for sure. So speaking of needing quiet, sometimes I know as a writer, I need a lot of quiet. As a as a parent artist, how do you manage to get your work done? I would not be able to do anything without the support of Ansamani, my husband. Like, I mean, he makes sure that I get quiet time. Now that the weather's warm, like, he'll just take him out and play. And I'll be in the, in the house alone with nothing turned on. I'm just sitting there like, oh, 
this is nice. This is nice. And mm-hmm. they go to bed at 7. 7.30. So that's also, it's like built in, like, okay, I just got to make it to 7 o'clock. <laughs> and then we'll be quiet in the house. <laughs> and I can do whatever it is that I need to do. And yes. So there is a lot of quiet time, like, built in. And there are days that I also have built in where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to work. I'm going to have my net circle or I'm going to get on a zoom and have cocktails with girlfriends from school. So I have like these built in like buffers so that I don't get burnout. So are you someone who works late into the night? Is that, does that tend to be a really productive and juicy time for you? I need eight to nine hours of sleep on a good day. So I'll work from 7.30 until nine and then I'm done. I was like, I was like, okay, this was, this is nice. (laughs) And I try to be like as productive as possible during, like during that time. I'm also a fast writer. So that also works in my favor. So I can definitely churn out pages, like a a stupid amount of pages in a short amount of time because I'm always thinking about it. And so like if I have a long experiment or something, I'll just like, I'm always running through scenarios in my head. So by the time I do come, I'm just like, and I have my writing mix. So that helps a lot. It's like stuff that I can just kind of tune out and, but yeah, I can't really work past nine, nine thirty, and keep anything that comes after that. Cause it's just like my brain turns to mush complete. And I do not work on Friday. Cause by the end of the week, I'm just like, stop. <laughs> I'm like, stop. I don't know anything. I'm so like, I'm like this week, it's the longest 10 years of my life. <laughs> Like, no. <laughs> so, yeah. so do you have any parent hacks for us? Anything that makes your life easier or more fun as a parent? My kids would probably beg to differ, but I'm a big fan of like everyone eating together. Like, no, they do love when we all eat together. For dinner like we eat dinner at 5 30 and our rule is no phones at the dinner table kind of deal so that we can all like be there and engaged and then whoever pulls their phone out like they get dinged and so they love saying oh you got your phone <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know that's fun for them and then also it's finding the times where you can be together and they'll be doing their thing. Like we have a bubble machine and they'll just like, we'll put it on the porch. Bubbles go all up and down the street. They're squealing. They're having a great time. And that'll be the time that I'm like, Oh, I can read a book while I'm sitting on the porch. And it's like, we're still like, and they'll come up and I'm still not working, but I'm like, Oh, maybe, I mean, maybe I'll get five pages in cause they're like in and out. But it's where we both get what we need and we're doing it together. So they're like, oh, like mommy and Bob are hanging out with us, 
even though we're both still doing like what we need to do. So I, I do really like cherish those moments of everyone's doing something, but it's what everyone wants to do, but everyone still thinks we're all doing it together because we are, but you know, it's not like, let's go to the park and like kick a ball around. I like to call it's passive parenting. I'm a big fan of passive parenting. Hmm. Big fan. <laughs> Get yourself a bubble machine. If you have a porch, put it on that can run up and down on the sidewalk. You can sit on the porch and read your book or you do your knitting. Passive parenting. <laughs> That's my hack. <laughs> Are there any guesses or dreams or thoughts you have about as your kids get older? how that will change your work, how they'll be a part of it or not be a part of it. Do you ever think about like what things might look like a few years I from do. now? I do. I, Geneva has asked to see my stuff and all of the poise that I have written are not for children. And so I would love to be able to write a play that her and her sister can like watch and like see from like start to finish or like have their input in it. So that's definitely on my, that's on my to do is to write a play that like they can actually enjoy and have some input in instead of me being like, well, when you're 18, then you can, <laughs> then you can listen to one of mommy's plays. And they're like, but why? <laughs> oh, it's because you use bad words. Yes, and other things. They're adult themed. So, yeah, I do. Like, I definitely want to. I will do that. I think I might have one play. I do have one play, Dear Anne, that they can, that they can watch. Ooh, one, that's, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> I think it's kind of thrilling, actually. <laughs> That you have a whole a whole side of your life that they that they're not yes. yet ready to access. Yes. I think that's yes. pretty thrilling. It's exactly. like secret agent exactly. stuff there. Protected. <laughs> it's ultimate protected mommy time. Yeah. yeah sometimes they wanna be like all, all in it. And I need to be reminded that I'm not just a mother. And I love it. And I would not. And I've mm. always wanted to be a mom. I've always known that I was going to have kids. But it is not all that I... It's not all that I encompass. So it's really important to me that the girls see that I'm a mom. And I'm a wife. And I'm an artist. And I'm a... Sci like, that there are a lot of things afterwards. And I'm not just... Just this. Because I want them to not just be, mm. like, one thing. Is there a project that you're looking forward to that's really close to your heart right now? Or something that you're thinking about in your artistic life that means a lot in this moment? I've been working on my edits for GTFOH that I'm really, really excited about, like where it's going and what other little pockets I've added into it. Like it's completely different than the version that was screamed during Jowska. And that's been like really fun. And I'm so super excited about 
like the plans for that. And I'm also really excited about the, the three pieces that will be finished at the end of May. (laughs) That I'm very much looking forward to like getting those ones, like a love letter to the black Lily five spot. That was such an integral part of my life, like in the early 2000s. So I'm really excited about that. And another one is, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like uh, a short piece for the Philadelphia Women's Festival in the summer. And then the third one is a commission for um, revolutionary Shakespeare. So I'm really excited about, about those. I love writing new I love making new babies I tell myself that I I told myself that I wouldn't (laughs) make any new kids until the old kids had like shoes and coats and socks and stuff because I love to write a play I hate to rewrite a play I hate to rewrite a play (laughs) like in those like deep cutting rewrites like you know of course like you'll have like all these, like, whatever. But, like, when you really have to, like, start scaffolding and going in, I'm like, oh, I'll just make a new baby. I'll just make a new baby. And <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, well, all my kids now have clothes and stuff. So now I don't feel, I don't have the guilt about putting all these babies out into the world because, like, they, my old kids have been taken care of. So I'm excited about that. I'm like, okay, okay, like... There's still one baby out there that's got some holy shoes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come around to it. I'm gonna come back. <laughs> I'm gonna come back. And what is it for you about that part of the process that really has your whole heart? The 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 first draft. Yeah. The, so the vomit draft, it's just like, what is the muse gonna give me? Like, let me just I'm not gonna edit it, I'm just gonna go through. I'm not going to tear myself down about it. I was like, I just need to get it all out on the page, see what sticks and doesn't stick. And so like, I consider like the first three drafts are like fun. Like you're like molding it. And then with the exception of Jowska, I don't let anybody leave, read my vomit draft because it's my vomit draft. But with Jowska Playworks, we're all like, we're all there to like make sure that everyone's a stronger writer and so I'm like okay y'all can read my vomit because like y'all know (laughs) but I don't let anyone else read it until it's like third or fourth draft and usually that's around the time that it's like oh I've got a question about this and oh and what about that and it's all the things that you're like I know that I need to do this but if I focus on this then I'm still going to be on page five so like the fourth draft I'm like oh okay that wasn't (laughs) that bad like, oh, that, that wasn't that bad. Like, you're like, oh, okay, all right. But usually, like, that seventh or eighth one, and I'm like, mm, I'm done with you. <laughs> like, the questions get too hard. That's <laughs> like, you're hard now. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, what is this person's motivation from page one? And you feel like it completely dropped off in the second act. And, then like, I'm just going to make a new baby. And I'm just gonna make a new one. I'm tired. I'm tired of you. You're bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. And so I abandon the child for like sometimes a couple of weeks, sometimes for a year. 
And then I come back and it's like a brand new baby. Nails are a little long. It's hair is a little crazy. But, you know, you still love it. You made it. And then you're like, oh, I've got a, like, I'm in a completely different mind space. So here I am. I'm going to really give it, really going to give it the go. And Trouble of the World, which is my second full-length play, there's this one scene that I, you know, everything else I built up around it. And there's this one scene that's like a super pivotal scene that also like makes me, like it takes me to a really sad, dark place to write this scene. Like as a parent Mm -hmm. and based off the Merchant of Venice. And so uh, like a mother loses her son and it was a hot mess. Like he didn't know what was going on in it. And there's one particular scene. And I was like, "Mm." yeah, I don't know about you. And I literally put like in bold, it's the middle of the pandemic. I can't be sad right now. Like I'm sad enough. (laughs) We can't go anywhere. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back to you when there's like a little more sun out. And that's literally what I did. Like I shelved it for eight months, 10 months. And then I came back to it and I was like, oh, it's springtime. There's light outside. Like I'm, I'm happier. There's more sun. I'm digging in the dirt. I'm planting. Now I can come to this like really like gutting part of my play because I'm not going to get lost in just like, I'm not going to get weighed down by like the loss of it because I can look out my office window and see it's like a bright sunny day. So yeah, so that's, I'm really cognizant. I don't, and that's the only play that I've written where there is something like that, where it's like, oof, I just, I'm not in the headspace to come back to that right now. Hmm. And so I, I definitely really listen to, to that. And like, I mean, the mental health is so fragile these days. The pandemic. Mm. I run my therapist her money every wee week. I'm like, hi. <laughs> hi. 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 It's me again. I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been, that's been good. And I, you know, I've, I have a really morbid sense of humor and so it's also been fun to like write stuff that is like dark and twisty because it makes me laugh and it makes my friends laugh and we laugh at some really jacked up stuff. And then like <laughs> to put that out into the world and be like, okay, well, not everyone's laughing at that. So that might be a little too, too dark. It's going to pull that <laughs> back just a smidge, just like <laughs> right in it. People love the puppies. <laughs> like pulled back so, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Nikki as we wrap up our time together here today is there anything else that's on your mind in terms of being a parent artist is this a life you would recommend to others absolutely it's absolutely a life I would recommend because it's such a great way to feed both parts of my spirit like, I'm such, I'm such a mom. I'm such a mother. Like, I'm a caregiver. I'm an empath. I'm an earth sign. Like, these are all things that, like, 
I feel like when you're directing, you're just like a mom for a bunch of people. And when you're playwriting, you're like a different kind of parent. Like you're a parent to the audience and you want to take them on this ride and you want to make sure that they learn things. And that's my biggest thing is like, I want people to learn something new, either about themselves or about the play or about the situation every time they watch something. Because every time I watch something, I learn something new with each version, even if it's the same damn thing. Which I'm just like, ah, oh, look at that's so great! Like, woo, I've seen this, I've seen this like 50 million times, and I just saw that one particular part right there. Like, look at there, look at there. So, yeah, I, it's you know, with parenting, you learn something new every single day. I learn something new about myself. I learn that it's okay to to feel like a failure because like the person who you're the hardest on is yourself and your version of fail is hashtag winning in your kid's book. So like to just give yourself some grace, which I feel like has made me a better artist because you have to give yourself grace, especially during like rejection seasons and everything. And then just, it puts everything in perspective. It really does. So, yeah, grace. Parenting and artists makes you have grace. On that note, thank you so much, Nikki, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. You can find more about Nikki Brake Sila's work at GIMIFilms.com. to Spencer Lutbeck and L.M. Feldman. Our music is by Scott Gratton. Thanks for tuning in to Art Meet Offspring, where parents get to make serious art, creatives get to be great parents, and everyone is both tired and loved. I'm Monica Flory, and I'll see you next time.